It's good to be with you this morning, uh, worship with you this morning. And uh, I didn't really plan on doing this, but can I just tell you uh, one really cool thing that's been going on at Hope? Uh, we, we've been, it seemed like it took forever, but we've been working to open a food pantry, and, and Peggy May has been a tremendous resource and help in getting that going. And then during the holidays, we finally were able to open that, but it didn't look how we were <laughs> intending it to. And then the last two months, we've had distribu- food distributions at Hope. And uh, yesterday we were able to bless eight uh, individuals or families, and, and that might not sound like a lot, but that was eight people who actually live like almost right next to the church, it turns out. And, and so I tell you that to say thank you uh, to, to you here who have helped us along the way, you who are praying for us, and to just let you know good things are happening at Hope Church of the Nazarene, just as I know they are here as well. Well, is anyone fasting Something for Lent. You don't have to answer that out loud, but I guess I should clarify that. Does anyone have a feast planned for each Sunday of Lent? Well, this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, which begins this season that we we call Lent. And as I've been thinking about Lent for a little while now, I had a thought that I've heard others echo as well. Do we really need to participate in Lent this year. I mean, after all, hasn't this last year been one long, long time of Lent? We've seen firsthand the reminder of Ash Wednesday that we've been formed of the dust of the ground and we will return to dust, right? Never have we been more aware of our mortality than in the past year. So do we really need a season of Lent to remind us of our mortality once again? Well, Lent's not only a reminder of our mortality, it's also a season of giving up things, or properly called fasting. We've done that too, haven't we? Uh, No going out to eat, no social engagements. Uh, Haven't we even, some of us haven't even gone to the office for a year, and some of you are saying, yay, and others are like, I'm ready to go back. Uh, But we've been fasting, admittedly not from a, a personal choice, but still, We've gone without many things for nearly a year now. Do we really need a season of Lent to remind us of our mortality, to to remind us to to fast some things? Haven't we already given up enough? Well, maybe it's just me. Usually it is, but maybe it's just me. But I've been approaching this season as a, a season of fasting, and I have not wanted to do it. If I'm honest, I just have not wanted to fast this year. And, and I'm reminded that Lent is, is about more than just fasting. Lent is about repentance. It's about being formed in the image of Jesus. It's about finding God at work in our lives and the world around us, even when it seems like things are barren and nothing could possibly spring to life there. We're on a journey to the cross together, where Jesus was crucified and in the crucifixion, it, If there was ever a moment that it seemed like there could be no life, it is in the death of Jesus on the cross. Uh, But even more than that, if there was ever a moment that there seemed like there couldn't be new life, it is when Jesus is put to death on the cross. We're moving towards the cross. We're not only moving towards the cross, we're also moving towards Easter, where we're welcomed into into new life through the resurrection of Jesus. And so out of the barrenness of the cross... We find life arising in Jesus and a call to come join by taking up our cross, 
Come join in being resurrected. Come join in the life-giving presence of Jesus Christ. And because we're remembering that Christ has come, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will return again, the season of Lent isn't only about fasting. It's also about feasting. Recognizing that during this particular time we fast something and we fast once a, uh, and we feast once a week has actually been really helpful for me. I, I, like, I like to practice uh, Lent. I, I don't like to always fast, but I, I can appreciate this season. But I've always thought it was a really strange season in the church year. Because to me, it seemed like we were just pretending. Like, oh, are we, we're pretending that Jesus hasn't come yet for, for a little while. And then we're pretending that Jesus hasn't died yet. Uh, Good Friday happened, but we're going to pretend, wink, wink, uh, that, that he hasn't died yet. And we're going to pretend for a little while that he hasn't resurrected yet until we get to Easter. And then we say, yay, uh, he's risen, he's risen indeed. And, and so I've always thought, this is weird. It's kind of weird because it seems like we're just pretending even though we know. We know that he has come and we know that he has died and we know that he has resurrected. And even beyond that, we know that he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. We know this. And thinking about Lent this year in terms of fasting and feasting has really, really helped me to clarify this isn't pretend. We're not just pretending or trying to put it out of our mind for a little while. No, this is real. This is the in-between times. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. We're, we're not pretending during Lent. We know that Christ has come. We know that Christ has died. We know that Christ has been resurrected. And not only that, we know Christ is coming again. We fast in this season to be formed in the ways of Jesus. And we feast in this season as a reminder that Jesus is making and will continue to make all things new. And speaking of making things new, uh, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, where Jesus talks about the old and the new. If you have a Bible or a phone or you just want to join us on the screens, that's Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, after hearing that scripture, maybe it seems like we shouldn't be fasting during Lent. But notice how Jesus doesn't condemn the practice of fasting there. He, he doesn't tell them you should never fast or it's wrong to fast. But instead, he's making a totally, an entirely different point. The, the point that Jesus is making is God is among the people. Because Jesus is with them. 
And where Jesus is, God is, because Jesus is God in the flesh. God come uh, to dwell among us. And, so, and also, he, he's saying, and where he is, things are made new. Where Jesus is, things are made new. Uh, let me say that again. Jesus, God is among the people because Jesus is with them. And where Jesus is, things are made new. So for us, fasting and feasting help us to embrace the new that Jesus is up to. Fasting and feasting help us to embrace the new that Jesus is up to. But I've come to the conclusion that new things are really hard for us. And mostly I'm talking about me. But new things are really hard. Because we get comfortable with what we know. We like what we know. Even if it's not for our good, we like what we know. We, we can get so comfortable that we don't even notice when things start to break down or get a little dingy around us. Uh, I, my wife laughed during the service at Hope because I said, I have a favorite shirt. I love this shirt. I, I like the colors on it, the pattern on it. it it's a, it's a button-up shirt, and I like button-up shirts. And it, it has a, a loose fit to it, but it's not so loose that it's really baggy and billowy and... and, and I just love this shirt. I wear it every week, and and sometimes multiple times a week. And it's comfortable. But I didn't notice that it had some holes in the back of it, and I didn't notice that it was really thin in some sections. I just like my shirt. It's comfortable. I put it on, and I wear it, and don't think a thing about it. And Amy, my wife, had to point out, you know you have like six holes in the back of that shirt, right? And I'm like, oh, I do? And then... Do you think I threw it away? No. No. Because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. Even after she pointed out, it's a little dingy. It's not that great. It's comfortable. I like it. Change can be like that for us. We know that change needs to happen. We know that we need to embrace this newness. But we get comfortable in what we like and what we know. And as Jesus is confronted by some people who don't understand why his disciples aren't fasting... His response is that, well, they're with me. They're with me. Jesus points back to to some language about Israel and and God. And Israel had had been called the bride, God's bride. And God would be the the groom. And it was this covenant or this marriage. It's an illustration of a marriage where they're the bride and God is the groom. And Jesus says to those who confront him on this day, well, why aren't your disciples fasting? like the disciples of John and and the Pharisees' disciples. And Jesus says, well, you can't fast when you're with the groom, the bridegroom. You can't can't fast when you're with them. Who fasts when they're going to a wedding? You don't do that. It's a celebration. And so Jesus is pointing back to Israel and and this, this language of bride and groom, and he's letting them know the groom is here. The groom is here. You've been waiting for this. In fact, that's partially of what you've been fasting for, is that God would come and send the Redeemer. Good news. He's here. He's here. And, and so Jesus lets them know the groom is here. God is here. You don't, you don't attend a wedding and fast. Weddings are a party, a time of celebration. Does anyone here go to a wedding and say, no, I'm fasting. I'm not going to eat today. No. Part, part of the, the wonderful nature of a wedding is you get to eat together. 
And you get to celebrate together. And, and hopefully the cake is good. But you get to eat some cake and, and enjoy that time. Celebrate that something new has come on that day. A, a new marriage. And Jesus is using the, this language uh, of a wedding, uh, of a marriage, and saying, Come on. Come, come celebrate with me the new thing that God is up to. Come, come party. Come celebrate. Join in. He's inviting all the people to see this new thing God is up to among them and to celebrate. But, but if you read the stories around the passage we read together today, you'll, you'll notice a theme. Scholars call them the controversy stories. Because again and again, people, uh, oftentimes the religious leaders, will confront Jesus and try to wrap, get him embroiled in a controversy. You're not observing the, fa- the, the Sabbath the right way. Why don't your disciples fast? And, and on and on it goes. And, and they, they seem to not understand again and again and again that Jesus is telling them something new has begun. Something new has begun among you. God is here in the flesh. I'm here. But they, they seem to miss it. As Jesus invites them, they seem to, to miss it again and again, and rather, they would rather uh, trap him with the laws and, and that he supposedly breaks. And, and, and they're comfortable. They're really comfortable with the rules that were in place. And, and I think sometimes we're, we're a little too down on the Pharisees because they meant well. The Pharisees' objective, their, their mission was to have all the people become holy. They wanted everyone to become holy. Is that a bad mission? No. I mean, doesn't God call us to be holy? It's a right mission, but the means by which they often went to, or tried to, to bring that about were wrong. They took the law and they would add to it and, and they would just basically pile things onto people and heap things onto people, often not wanting to do it themselves. Uh, but again, good, good intentions, bad means of getting there. And and they were comfortable with the rules. They liked rules. Because it's easier, at least I think, it's easier when you have rules to know what's expected of you. I, I like rules when they make sense. When I think rules make sense, I, I am a, a strict rule follower. When they don't make sense, I might get in trouble. But when they make sense to me, I will follow the rules because... When I have rules, I know, okay, I need to do this, 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 don't do that, and do this, this, and this, and then success. And so the Pharisees tried to make rules and rules and rules and rules to lead to success, but they missed the heart. They missed the heart of holiness, which is love. And so in their comfortability or being so comfortable with rules, they forgot or missed out that this call of holiness is actually relational. It's about love for God and love for others, not just rules upon rules upon rules. And they were comfortable with the systems that were in place. Have you ever noticed that the people who are most comfortable with the systems that already exist are those who have power in the system that exists? Are those who benefit by the system that is in place? And so they're less willing, less likely to want to change those things. Uh, the, the systems that benefit those in positions of power and prestige are, are the very people at the top are the first ones to say, no, 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 no change. We don't need that because they benefit. Now, the Pharisees, Sadducees, chief priests, teachers of the law, and some others, they liked the system that was in place. 
Because some of them, Rome liked them, and so that gave them some power. For others, they were well regarded as experts in the law, and so people went to them for for some sage wisdom and advice. And, and others were able to get more and more land and build their wealth because of the system that was in place. They liked it. They were comfortable with it. So comfortable that they failed to recognize the call of Jesus to join in the celebration that God had come to begin the kingdom and to renew and restore all things under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They couldn't see the new that Jesus was up to That God was setting things right. God was restoring things. Jesus himself was putting things as they were meant to be. Restoration and redemption of all things back under the care of Jesus Christ. And they missed it. Because they were so comfortable with the old. That they couldn't embrace the new Jesus was up to. So Jesus began with the image of a wedding feast. To describe the celebratory nature of the new that he was up to. And then he uses an image of an old garment that needs some, some holes patched. And if you, saw, if, you, if you sew a new piece of fabric onto the old, they won't hold. If you take a, an old piece of... Piece, piece? I can't talk this morning. If you take an old piece of cloth and you try to sew a, a new piece of cloth onto it, and then you wash it, or even if it's out in the sun long enough, that new piece begins to to shrink. And and then before you know it, it has pulled apart from the old piece you attached it to and made the tear even worse. Now, I told the congregation at Hope Church, I learn a lot of things in the Bible. I learn more about who God is. I learn about who I am. I learn about who God is in relation to who I am and who I am in relation to who God is. But I also learn some practical things. I'd never thought about this, that I'm not much of a a sower. Uh, I'd never thought about this, but it makes sense, doesn't it? You go and you buy a a new shirt or a new sweater or whatever, and and you put it in the washing machine, and you pull it out, and you put it on. That that doesn't quite fit how it did when I got it at the store. When I tried it on there, it it shrinks a little bit. And and you can't can't put new and and the old together. They don't mix. Jesus uses another illustration. He talks about uh, wine and wineskins. And and they had, in those days, like uh, bladders or pouches that they would store wine in. And when you put wine into something, it gets air, it ferments, which causes all kinds of of different gases. And gases, they expand. And and if you put it into an old wineskin, those gases expand, expand, and then pops it. And now you don't have wine or a wineskin. They're both ruined. And, and Jesus is, is, is illustrating in the, the cloth and in the wineskin illustrations that the old and the new do not go together. They, they don't mix. It's like oil and water. That's probably an illustration we can really understand. They do not go together. You, you can't try to seam one with the other because they will rip apart and actually be worse off. You can't put the the new into the old and try to hope that it'll last. No, it blows up and then nothing's good anymore. The old and the new don't go together. These illustrations, Jesus is emphatically making the point that the old and the new do not mix. The Pharisees, John's disciples, they, they couldn't understand the new that Jesus was up to because they had an old idea of how things would be. 
They had an old understanding of how things would be. That the, the Messiah, the Savior, would come and he would have great military power. He would expel the Romans from Jerusalem and all the region and, and he would rule uh, the area. And what do we find? Remember back to Christmas? How does the Messiah come? As a baby. And not a baby to worldly princes, worldly kings and, and queens. No. To a day laborer and a mother who is scandalized in a lot of ways. And where is he born? In a palace? No. In a stable. Meek and lowly. And they had this conception that the Messiah was going to come and restore political power to Israel. That, that this Messiah would, would exert their power and political influence and that all of the region would, would essentially be at the, the mercy of Israel. And what do we find in Jesus? He doesn't really care about politics all that much. Instead, he says that he's come to be a servant to all. Not lording it over people, but a servant to all. And they thought that the Messiah would come to unify their, their tribes, their nation, and bring them great wealth. And Jesus says, I've come to divide even families. And, and that deserves more explanation. We don't have a lot of time for that. It doesn't mean that Jesus wants to break families apart and all that. What he's saying is, some will embrace the new. That God is here in Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, and some won't. And that is divisive. And we find that he didn't come to bring wealth to the nation. In fact, he lived on donations and the hospitality of others as he traveled around. Jesus wasn't who they expected. They were trying to do all the right things to earn God's favor. They tried to fit Jesus into the old ways of thinking and the old ways of doing things. But when you try to fit God into our own understandings and our own desires of how things should go, then the clothes tear apart. The wineskins burst. The old and the new don't mix. If Jesus has begun the kingdom of God right here on earth, then followers of Jesus embrace the new that Jesus is up to. But that means that we have to do away with the old because the old and the new don't mix. And fasting, maybe you were thinking, he talked a lot about fasting and feasting, and he hasn't really said anything about that. Fasting is a way of doing a checkup to see if we're embracing the new that Jesus is up to or if we're living comfortably in the old. So my father-in-law loves cars. I just love it when my car starts. He, he loves cars. And he, he says, he's not alone in this, but he says, you should often drive without the music on. Uh, don't listen to a podcast, don't have the radio on or, or your MP3 or whatever you're listening to. Ha turn it off so that you can get to know your car. You can listen to your car. And, and as you get to know your car, you start, you can hear, oh, there's a knock in the engine. That's not good. Or, or you hear, I think my tire's flapping. That's really not good. Or my brakes are kind of squeaky. I think I should get those checked out. And then, of course, there are those of you who just turn up the radio so you're like, ah, I don't hear it, I don't hear it, I don't hear it. Uh, but we, like our car, fasting is a way for us to step back or, or tone down some of the noise in our lives, some of the things in our lives, so that we can do a checkup, a checkup of sorts. And, and we can ask God, or is there anything in me that 
I've still been holding on to? Am I embracing those old ways of being, or have I, have I fully committed to the new? And here's the truth, folks. All of us have more to go. It's a journey. It's a journey with God. And so it's good to take these times of fasting, to just step back and be quiet, to give something up for a little while. And it might be music in the car, or that podcast, or talk radio, or whatever you listen to. And to take that time, not to just be quiet, but to pray, and to listen for God to speak to you, to say, Lord, search, search me and know me. Reveal if there's anything in me that, that is contrary to your, your kingdom that has come and is coming again. And, and maybe what you need to do is say, God, for the next, it's not really 40 days anymore because we're partway into Lent, but for the next while, Lenten, the rest of the Lenten season, I'm going to give X number of dollars or X percentage of my wages to someone, some charity, or even better yet, if you know somebody that's been incredibly hard hit by the pandemic, or you have a friend or, or a neighbor who, who's struggling, I, I'm going to give some of my money. Even better yet, find a way to do it so they don't know it was you. And then, have, what, what can they say? God has blessed me. God has blessed me. We can get so creative with fasting. And, and it's not just food. I can't give up food. because not, I can, but I get migraines. If I don't eat semi-regularly, I get migraines. So food isn't really an option for me. I have to fast something else. But in all of this, and again, maybe it's internet. I was tempted to say Facebook, but there's like, that makes me look old. There's so many different social media platforms now. Maybe it's some internet engagement or watching TV and using that time to... To, uh, to spend with God, and even to spend that time with your family. Maybe you've been neglecting your relationships with others. God cares about our relationships with others, too. And so whatever it is, I, I'm not going to tell you what you need to fast today. I, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. But remember that fasting is a way for us to discover the ways of Jesus and more fully embrace the new that Jesus is up to. It's a time of discerning whether we show the love of Christ to others, if we have the attitude of Christ, if we have the mind of Christ. As we fast, we're asking that question, am I like Jesus? And where do I need to be formed into the, the likeness of Jesus? It's intentional of stepping back and, and having that spiritual checkup. You could say we fast as we trust God to continually sanctify us through repentance. And repentance isn't a bad word. In fact, repentance is a really good word. Uh, sanctification is continual repentance. Sanctification is, in its simplest definition, turning away from something towards something. And so we repent of sin, we repent of our old ways of being, and we're turning towards the new that God is up to in our lives, that God actually wants to work out repentance in us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is transforming us. And, and did you talk about the transfiguration last week? Yeah, you did. He's transforming and transfiguring all of creation, and that includes us, into his likeness, into what he intended from the beginning. And, and so we, we're embracing repentance in this season, uh, uh, turning away from the old, and embracing the new that God is up to, uh, and it's the, the Greek word for, for uh, transformation or, or repentance is metanoia. Now, this is a rough translation, but it means mind-blowing change. Like, I mean, think about that. It's not just like a little change. It's not just, a, well, I went part way. No, God wants to metanoia, 
totally transform, totally change us into the likeness of Christ, the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ, that we would be a bunch of little Christs going around Battle Creek, and people would say, what is it about them? There's something different, and we know it's Jesus working in us. And so we, we fast, and we say, Lord, work this repentance, this metanoia, this mind-blowing change in us as we seek to embrace the new that Jesus is up to. So in Lent, we fast. But we don't only fast, we feast. And some of you are saying, now we're getting to the good news. Now we're getting to the good news. Uh, We also feast. Jesus, he began by speaking in terms of a wedding. Feasting is a way for us to be refilled and renewed. And weddings, uh, those of you who are married, when you go to a wedding, don't you recall your own wedding day? Don't you remember when, when you, some of you are like, I can't remember that far back, but, uh, sorry. Do I need to apologize? I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I better move on. Uh, weddings are a celebration. Weddings are a time of remembrance that new things began, and they don't stay the same, but you actually hopefully love your spouse even more. Now, more than you knew you could, you love them as much as you could on that day. You really did, and now you love them even more, and you didn't even know that was possible. And so weddings are a reminder that the new that God is beginning is in Jesus Christ, that he's come to, to, to start this wedding banquet, the great feast of God among us, and in that we're growing in love. We're learning that we thought we were only capable of this much love, but through that metanoia, that transforming and transfiguring grace of God, we're capable of even more and more and more. God just expands our love as we learn about the expansive love of Jesus Christ for us. Well, that wasn't actually in my notes, but I thought it was pretty good. God's with us all week. And and I think one of the dangers when we talk about fasting and feasting is to think, okay, so we're doing without God all week, and then we feast on Sundays? That's not it. No, we, we fast throughout the week, and we feast on Sundays during Lent, and, and, and the, the point of that is to say, Lord, give us our daily bread. Daily bread, daily bread, daily bread. Just give us enough for today, and we'll trust that you'll give us enough tomorrow and tomorrow. But you know on Sundays that we, we feast. On Sundays we feast. Now you may not feast on food, but on Sundays we feast. Whether you're joining us online or you're here, we are feasting on the Word of God. We're, we're feasting in worship. We're feasting as we hear about each other's weeks and we get to see where God has been at work. Or, or even we, we feast in prayer and lifting up one another's burdens and one another's joys. We feast, and we ought to do it more often, but at least once a month, we, we gather around the table of the Lord and we feast upon the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. As weird as that sounds, God gives all of himself to us. Sundays are a feast day. Each day of the week, daily bread, daily bread. And then on Sunday, God rolls out the, the big table and sets the, the feast. And he is both host and guest of the feast. He welcomes us in, and we welcome Christ as our guest as well. So you're fasting anything for Lent? I hope so. Because it reminds us that Christ has come. He's died. He's resurrected. It's happened. And, and, it, and are you feasting during Lent? If you're joining us today, you're feasting today. 
Are you feasting? Jesus is here, and where Jesus is, things change. So let us embrace the new that Jesus is up to, and may he begin by making each of us new creations as we participate in the new creation now and anticipate the fullness when Christ returns. And, and so this, this time now, how is it not pretend? Because we live in the meantime, the middle time, the in-between time. In between when Christ has begun the kingdom and when Christ will make it, uh, bring it in its fullness at his return, we're living in the meantime. And as we do that, we're feasting with God. We're trusting God to give us our daily bread. And we're trusting that he is transforming us. We're trusting that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's calling us to be like him. And not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of those around us, the community around us. Are you fasting? And are you feasting during this season? And in the meantime, would you join with Jesus to embrace the new that he's up to in your life and in the life of the church and in the life of Battle Creek? Have I spoken the truth this morning? If I have, would you say amen?